0: Back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with your Dana Osband. Today's daf brachot kaf vav 26. Now, we're coming to the end of our parak shlishi, the third parak of brachot, which has been a joy and a distress in terms of the amount of oh, excrement and urine and nakedness and all kinds of bodily fluids that we are expected to pay attention to because. We must in the Halachic context, except for that again, some of what we've seen, and we talked about this yesterday, um, was much more a reality of their time and much less of a reality of our time. As we come to the end of the parak, however, and I'm not distressed by this at all, I find it very valuable that we do address some very practical issues that are relevant, I think, I guess, to any time. Um, you know, let's the, the first one, and it's at the very top of our page, I will just mention it in passing. Um, there's a discussion of what happens if you have a Sefer Torah, you know, not everybody has a Sefer Torah in their house, but if you do have a Sefer Torah in your house, there's a concern that the Sefer Torah should not be in the same room as a marital bed. So the idea is that you have to, you know, make some kind of machitza or, you know, put the put the Sefer Torah in a different room. And um, Rav Yosho Ben Levi says that he has no other place to put it. And they said, well, couldn't you, couldn't you just put it in a different room? And he's like, oh, I never thought of that, which, again, I find to be very real. Um and the the caveat or the the ramification for today um is about a room of swarm. If you have a, a library type of room that has a lot of svarim in your house, the idea is that really you should cover them in some way or set up some kind of machito or make your guest room not your svarim room. Um now we also have some very specific details about preserving the sanctity of prayer or kriyachma and so on and keeping things away from the bathroom. So technically how far do you have to be removed from feces when you come to say Shema? arba amot the Gemara says dalat amot you need to be separate from their dalat amot which is something like 6 to 8 feet depending on whom you ask amarava chora, huna lo el that is specifically if if the issue if the refuse is behind you avalefanav machik melo enav if it's in front of you, you have to be at far enough removed that you cannot see it. Meaning, again, there should not be distraction when you're coming to Daven. It's not just about Kriyat It's also about um, saying the amida. The Gemara questions this. Ini, is it so? The hamara of Rafram Bar Papa. Rafram Bar Papa, you know him from the from the hadran, from the recitation after Asiyum, or at the end of Asiyum. Amara of Here he has an opinion in the Gemara. Omed Adam Keneged beita there's a statement that says a person would stand corresponding to the beta kisei. That's the Gemara terminology for what we in modern Hebrew call sherutim. If you say beta kisei, people will know that you've learned your terminology from the Gemara. Omid Palel, he says you stand connected your beta kisei and you daven. And so, isn't that a contradiction to what we've just said in terms of having to be away, or again, with your? That has to be with your back, and you have to be far enough away not to see it. What are we talking about? No, there, we're not talking about tzoa. We're not talking about the refuse being in your presence. We're talking about a bathroom that, or specifically, a betaki I guess, is more of an outhouse, uh, technically, um, where there is no tzoa there. There is no refuse. Is it so? Meaning, how can it be that you have a, an outhouse that you don't have refuse there? One second. We still establish that a, a bathroom, you know, it still has the halachot of distancing yourself from them when you come to Davin, Or likewise, uh, a wash, a beta merchat is a, uh, the bathhouse, right? The bathhouse of the ancient world. Um, even if nobody is there, you still have to worry about having a certain amount of privacy, a certain amount of dignity when it comes to, you know, the bathroom function. You know, what are we talking about? The word here, "bachadate," is an Aramaic word where the tough right? There's a tough is mitchalif; it switches with a shin. So then, in modern Hebrew, that would be "chadash," or even in ancient Hebrew, it would be "chadash," and "chadash" meaning it's new. Meaning you have, uh, you have a you have a space that's under construction and a space that is designated to be the bathroom and it has not yet been used. And so when it has not yet been used, that's what they were talking about when they said that you could dive in facing it. Don't worry about it. Meaning there's no Tsoa there. Why is there no Tsoa there? There's no Tsoa there because it has never been used. Not because it happens to have been cleaned recently. Um, now, for our purposes, I find this to be very valuable because we do have questions about, you know, where do you dive in in your house or even in a shul? How close can you be to uh, a bathroom? Um, what happens is that you keep the door open, do you keep the door closed. Do our bathrooms today have the halachot of a beta kisei of the days of yore at all? And this I find to be a very interesting question because if your bathroom is clean, and I think most of our bathrooms are clean, I'm not talking necessarily about a public restroom, let's say, but you know, in our homes or in our synagogues, we make sure that, that there is no tsoa in the present. So and it's not there, as in an outhouse or a latrine. It has been flushed away, so it's not there at all. And there is an opinion that says this is not a bathroom, la On the other hand, it is very much the place where you know it is temporarily a bathroom before there's a flush, and people are very reluctant, I think, to paskin that you should that you can treat it as just any other room of the house. But it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, separation there. Now, for my purposes, what I value about this is there are real questions about how do we conduct ourselves in every room and in any room and when we come to daven and there's a practical application that I did not find as much in yesterday's dafs where we're talking much more about the reality of then which is less the reality of now but this is very much about the reality of now so I appreciate that. On the other hand I'm not so upset, shall we say, to move on to the new parak which is really about prayer Um, and I think, you're Dana. you join me in that.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to move on about prayer, personally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no,
1: but again, as I think we've said, you know, many times over in previous episodes, you know, it's interesting to see how these were things that were very, very practical for them. Um, but- and, you know, there are certain different uh, halal clothes that pertain to them prayer, there are different for us. The truth is, if you look at Mishnah itself, what are the six Siddharim about, right? You have a whole one that's dedicated to agricultural laws, Ram, and two, you know, that are Kachim and Tauros, right, which are sacrifices, and many of the laws of, you know, I'll use the bad English translation, taros of purity and impurity, but, you know, that for being the first part of Torah Shabal Pad that's written down, the bulk of that is not per se necessarily relevant to our day-to-day life. And yet that was what was very important to write down first. So I think this is on a smaller scale a similar example of this. So I'm excited to get to the new parr- the next parak um, and talk a little bit about Tefillah. And you know, the parak uh, starts off with on uh you know a discussion about uh, when do we have in Tefillah, like Shacharit what time are we allowed to dab in until and the Gemara continues, and you know, uh, records for us. So this is the source, at least, for a very famous machlokas, which I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with. Which is, what is the actual source of prayer three times a day? Uh, thoughts about that, right?
0: One. So even before that, I just want to say the, you know, we keep talking about how our our. The Gemara until this point has been very much talking about what do you do when you mess up? What do you do when you have a need to do something in the less than ideal way? And this parak does not change; it does not depart from that approach, right? The Gemara, the Mishnah begins with the ideal: What time are you supposed to be davening? We were switching from Kriyachma, we're moving on to the Amidah. What time should you be davening? And then the question is: Well, what happens if you what happens if you miss it? And then there's all kinds of cases about what happens if you miss it. So we're not going to go through them. We've got the idea. But again, it's a matter of this, like, we all know that for the most part, people should, we hope, try to do everything in exactly the ideal way. And yet we're also human. And this is very much the message here that the, that the halacha applies to when you mess up. You have an out, you have a circumstance that, that the, there's a case here always of what to do in those circumstances. Let's talk about the ideal or even just the philosophical concept here for a moment. Itamar. Rebbe Amar. Tfilot Avot Tiknum. The prayers, or really the prayer services, Avot Tiknum, the forefathers, meaning Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, decreed them. Rebbe Yosho Ben Levi Amar. Tfilot Kinegid Timidin Tiknum. No, no, no. Rebbe Yosho Ben Levi seems to have a different opinion than Rebbe Yoseb Rebbe And he says, that the prayer services are set up corresponding to the tzimidin, the korban tamid. This is a an ola, a fully burnt offering that is that was brought, shacharit, and then it's called ben Harbaim, the minchat time um, offering. And these were every day, day in, day out, a burnt offering was, a fully burnt offering was brought, an ola, to Hashem. Meaning, it's, it's the regular prayer service that happens every day, and you know, again, we've we've discussed in the past, and I'm sure we'll discuss in the future this question of to what extent was was the average Joe who lives not in Yerushalayim, who is not a kohen. To what extent is there even any persi- partic- participation? Excuse me, and to what extent is there any awareness of the this tamid offering? But I do think that it was known that this is happening, even if it's not in people's daily lives. Um, so the idea is that we have shacharit minchah and that are set up. We know that they are set up. We know that these are services that are now going to be prayed in the absence of a temple. So there is no more tamid. There is no more korban. And there's a machoket in the Gemara here. Is it keneged avot? Is it, does it correspond to the avot? Or does it correspond to the timidim, to, the, to these korbanot? So the Gemara goes through exactly how you might understand that the avot decreed the davening services. Because honestly, we don't see them doing you know, there's no obvious like, and then Avram set up shop and went to pray. It's not worded that way. Rather, the Gemara explains, Avram decreed the morning service. We have a proof text, as the is want to bring. Avram got up early in the morning, right? That's the point here. It's the morning service. This word standing, that he was standing there. The Gemara goes on to explain, there's no There's no standing. Once the, you have the word Amida, you're clearly talking about prayer and another proof text. Pinchas is from Sefer Bamidbar, meaning it's an entirely different story, but you have the words there of he was standing and he prayed. So if Pinchas was standing and praying, then when Avraham, we throw back there, is standing, he must have also been praying. And therefore, we can understand that Avraham is the source, let's say, for the morning service. Yitzchak decreed the afternoon service. As the verse says, again, a proof text. Yitzchak went out to converse in the field. Lifnot Erev. So Lifnot Erev is the time, meaning it's not yet evening. It's the late afternoon. The Gemara says there's no conversation that is not tfila. So we have both standing, that is tefillah. And now we have sicha, that is tfila, that is prayer. And we have a proof text here from Tehillim. Tefillah, he's going to pour out his conversation before God in prayer. This is a poor person who is, you know, in need. So Yitzchak, by, by having the same word, sicha, it's the same concept of prayer. Now Yaakov. Yaakov was, this is the prelude to the very strong and difficult story about the wrestling with the angel. Yaakov encountered the place. And he slept there. There's no encounter. We don't have the word pigia the same way we don't have the word we don't have the word amida. We don't have the word pigia without prayer. This is a pasuk from Jeremiah. Hear me out. And again, it says, "Don't go out and to pray, and do not encounter me, because I do not hear you." Meaning, it's a negative. It's a. It's God cautioning, saying, "You know, this is not the right time. You are in trouble." But the idea of pgiya being a matter of prayer is very much found in this verse. So then we say, "Okay, Avraham, not." Avram was established. Shachrit Yitzchak established. Mincha and Yaakov prayed during the evening time, so that must mean that he also established Ma'ariv. Now, the Gemara goes on to talk about exactly what times these may be, and later the Gemara goes on to, again, to establish further, to discuss this question of, but wait a second, aren't they to Tzmidin? Aren't the prayer services corresponding to the tefillah, to the, to the karbonot, to the sacrifices that were in the temple at a t- as a way of kind of moving everybody away from this ritual in the temple when there is no more temple. Instead, we're going to have prayer corresponding to it. Now, I will to say that I don't think that this is a contradiction in terms. I do think that you can say that there is prayer that is associated with each of the avot that is, you know, that is their service, that is their time to Reach out to God that we learn from it, that we can relate to it that way, and at the same time, it corresponds to the to midin, the Shachrit and mincha um, korbanot, the offerings, and then Maariv corresponds to the smoking of the limbs of the mincha offering on the on the mizbeach on the altar that continued into the night. And then we talk about the fact that there's no real limitation on the time for when so you can I, say Maariv. You're Dana. I want uh, you have a really beautiful take on this whole, you know. Avot, Karbanot, I I really want you you to share your idea.
1: Because I think this machlokas, and as you said, this is a great example of two truths can be held at the same moment. This machlokas basically is the essence of what's complicated about daily prayer. On the one hand, we have the idea that it comes from the avot, which I think is recognizing spontaneity in prayer, right? That each of the avot had a particular time where they felt they needed to really just immediately connect to God. And yet we also have sort of the piece of that we are obligated to day in and day out three times a day, whether we want to or not, you know, pray and acknowledge our relationship with God. And how do we keep both of those things to be true at the same time together? So I think both of the sources are true. And this is what makes Tefillah hard. And I think we even see this in other halachot that have been presented to us um, in and other pieces of the Gemara in brachot, right? So on this daf, when they have a whole discussion about tashlumen, right, the idea that if a person accidentally forgets to say Mincha or shachrit, that at the next time they pray, they would say two shmona esres in a row. How could you even just say two shmona esres in a row? I mean, what would that be like the second one? Right. Where it's sort of like, you are you know, when you're you're making up what you should have said before. And I think that halakha is part of the well, you're obligated to pray three times a day and you forgot. So therefore, you need to get your three times a day. in. whereas, you know, in an earlier gap, we saw that let's say you're a person who davened alone, you know, in your home without the tzibor, without the congregation. And you happen upon a big Knesset, you happen upon a shul and you see that now the congregation is saying the uh, Shmona Esrei again together, right? Shmuel says, as long as you have something chadash, as long as you have something new to say, you should actually partici- participate and you should say that Shmona Esrei again. And I think that's an expression of the spontaneity of prayer, of what the Avot were doing, that we could see where once you have the opportunity to pray with your fellow people in your community, you may be inspired to say something new that you did not think of before. Um, I think we see the spontaneity of prayer on Dafyid Zion, right? Where all the Amorayan present present what were, you know, the special individual tefillot that they would say. Um, Some of this is because, yes, I don't think the text of Davening was set the way that it is today, but I think it also shows that it recognizes that everybody may have something special that they think about, they worry about, they pray over each and every day. And we do need to have room for that within our actual prayer experience. And so, you know, I think also the idea of having set prayer three times a day is also the Tanayim and Amoraim in a post-temple Judaism world having to struggle with what does Judaism look like? What does service look like? What is literally, what is the Avodah Hashem that we do now that we no longer have the sacrifices? And I always think about you know, what did it look like when the temple was actually standing? I don't, if my understanding, and if someone who's listening to this can correct me, but I'm pretty sure about this, you know, it's not that people prayed three times a day. Um, You knew that something was going on in Jerusalem that represented us as a nation. um, And then that happened. And we mentioned this in an earlier podcast. Also, you know, there was this system of the Mishmarot that, depending on which Kohan and which priests were doing the service, they were connected with a particular town. So those two weeks of the year, you may be much more connected to what service was going on. There was different prayers that you would say in your little village, but you didn't actually necessarily pray three times a day, the way that the Gemara is talking about it at this point. And so I just, again, I love this machlokas. It's everything that is the challenge about prayer But it's also the opportunity that we have where it says you have an opportunity three times a day to always connect to God. But yet how we keep it spontaneous always seems to be a little bit difficult for us. So as we conclude, you know, today's podcast, uh, we also want to start introducing, uh, I guess, I don't know, Anne, if we're calling it a new feature, but some feedback from some of our listeners. Um, So one of our, uh, I don't know if we want to call them listeners. I think we should be calling them um, our uh, our are the people who are actively learning along with us. Um, and so Mara Benjamin, um, who I actually have not met, but it's so cool, I've been in touch with, um, actually shared something interesting with me that I wanted to share with our audience. So I think one of the things we've been talking about a Challenge of Dafiomi is, is that there's just so much to go through and so much to learn, and that there are things we all want to be coming back to. So she found something great on Safaria that you can do, um, which is she sets her, when she's learning Safari, she has a private search on it called Daf Yomi Nuggets. And then she copies each passage that she wants to sort of get back to, or has a thought on, or wants to comment on, and then sort of saves, saves this as a running document. So I thought that was a great tip. Um, and instead of just writing things in random notebooks, which is what I tend to do, um, I'm going to, you know, I started this. And I think <laughs> I'm going to try to see if I can, you know, do this in a little bit of a more, organized fashion. So, um, Mayor Benjamin, thank you for sharing that with us. And with that, we encourage, um, you know, our fellow learners to please always reach out um, and share your other ideas and thoughts about something we discussed or an idea you had about an approach to DAFYOMI overall. So with that, that is our DAF for for today. And until tomorrow's DAF,